Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Before we get to this week's episode, we have some very exciting news to share with all of our listeners. Palace Coffee Company here in Amarillo and Canyon has chosen us as the Cause Latte recipient for April, May, and June. Now, April's Cause Drink is called the Blue Bonnet, and I've had it, and it is really, really tasty. So, get by Palace Coffee, because $1 from every Cause Latte is donated to 24 Hours in the Canyon to go to help local cancer survivors at the Survivorship Center. Now, there's four locations you can go to. There's one in Canyon that is on the square. There's a Palace location downtown Amarillo on Polk Street, over by TJ Maxx at 34th and Coulter, and in Wolfland at Georgia and I-40. So get by one of those locations in the month of April, order a blue bonnet, or just simply say, give me the cause drink, and we will actually get some money to help local cancer survivors. Thanks a bunch. Now to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Ryan, I'm super excited about today's podcast. How about you? Yes, Pam. I uh, Since we decided to, to do this episode and got a hold of our speaker um, and did our homework, because it took some homework for us, right? It did. You know, I've been I- super excited. And I thought whenever I found this person that it would be right up your alley because, you know, there's nothing more important than biking for you, I'm sure. Yes, but- yes. Now, I, I will say, and we'll, and we'll get into this, um, he he took this a little further than I think most people, you know, most people laugh at me and go, oh my gosh, could you not have done like uh, five hours in the canyon or could you not have done a 5K in the canyon or could you not have done something smaller, shorter than 24 hours in the canyon? And uh, as we will get through visiting here in a second uh, with our, our guest, you're going to find out that I, I maybe I didn't take it far enough. How about 5,000 miles? How about 5,000 miles in the canyon? (laughs) In all seriousness, you know, one of my favorite things as a nurse, as the oncology nurse here is hearing people's stories. Um, Every story matters. Every story is different, but yet they're all relatable. And I think our guest um, probably has some great stories that he can tell us. Oh, absolutely. You know, we talk about that all the time, right, Pam? It's, It's your story. Doesn't matter if you think it's, Uh, not as important as someone else's. It is your story and it's important. It needs to be told. And so, yeah, that leads us right to our guest today. You guys are in for a treat. I tell you, um, we are super excited uh, to have David Richmond join us. David is an entrepreneur, an author, uh, a public speaker, an athlete, and a philanthropist, and uh, uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. And I'm telling you, you guys uh, are really, really going to get a lot out of this uh, when we visit with him. So David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, I will. And thank you. You know what? I, let, let me just uh, stop for one second on that intro. It's so, so funny. Cause it made me think I, I interviewed 15. Well, I interviewed a ton of people for the book, but 15 people ended up making the book and they're all their stories are ridiculously amazing and inspiring and moving and evocative. I mean, they're, they're all those things. But it's so funny, guys, that every single one of them said, ah, you know, my story's not that interesting, right? Because right. people are just living their lives, right? But right. we know that once you get a little bit deeper, everybody's story is interesting. So I love what you said earlier. I just wanted to stop there for a second. So, uh, gosh, who am I? Um, uh, crazy guy that likes to do endurance athletics, um, write books. And I kind of combined those two out of um, some personal experience. Uh, for this latest book, the cycle of lives book, uh, which came about as a um, project I wanted to start after watching my sister go through terminal brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And her and I, uh, we found out about her cancer about the same time that I started going down a brand new path. I was escaping a, a pretty bad personal situation. Um, I was, I was unhealthy. I was a smoker. I was overweight. I was stressed out. I was miserable. I was not, not in a good place. And I hadn't been in a good place kind of emotionally for a while. Um, successful at work, you know, with the good things happening, but really I was, I was really not heading down the right path. 
And I, and I kind of shook myself and said, dude, you got, you got to start focusing on yourself and you, you got to get your life straight and you got to start living for you. And I started making all of these like really good first steps along a, a, a healthy path. At that same time, I get a call from my sister who says, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to die soon. You know, she, she's happily married two young kids, great circle of friends. And so this dichotomous path we were on, right. I'm down one of discovery. She's down one that's leading to, to the end. And it gave us the opportunity to talk a lot about the emotional things that she was going through. And as I continued to uh, do fundraisers and, and, and do events to, to uh, support the cancer center that took care of her and raise money and awareness, whatever. I noticed one thing, and, and, and I know you're going to notice, I know this, Pam, you both do, um, that people are really good about the tasks related to the cancer. You know, how do I get my kids watch while I'm at the chemo chair? How do I eat healthier? How do I navigate work? How do I navigate insurance? How do I find a better doctor? These kind of things that can kind of wrap their brains around. But when it comes to the deeper harder things like how do you feel about it you know what, what what's going on inside um um you know how can i help you on an emotional level these things are are things people are not really well equipped most people are not well equipped to deal with yeah um and even if they are well equipped to deal with it we might not be well equipped to deal with talking to them about it and so uh, this sounds trite because everybody listening knows this, but it can be a very isolating place, can cancer on that emotional level. And so that's what drove me to, to want to write this book. Yeah. You know, Pam, it uh, one of the things when, when David was talking made me kind of think back to when we talked to um, Kiara Riga about laughter. And one of the things that she brought up was that, um, you know, you can't, if you, you don't, don't, um, if, if you don't want to know, don't ask, because I'm going to tell you and my humor or the way I'm dealing with whatever my emotions are, maybe a little rough for you to understand. And so, you know, like, like David said, they, they can process, but to, to share with someone and have someone assist with that makes it, it's, it's challenging. I think it's also challenging for the ones that love them that are watching that person go through such a hard time. And, how do you say the right things or how do you get them to talk? Um, watching them suffer can't be easy. Yeah. And, and, and also how do you get them to talk? Well, how do we, how do we give ourselves the permission to ask the right questions? That's, that's the harder thing. And when I talk to people and I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people about this topic, one of the things that keeps coming up, especially uh, in the cases where somebody's lost someone is a lot of times they'll say, oh man, I wish I would have asked this. I wish I would have, I wish I would have had the courage to say, how do you feel about this or something like that? Because we want to support them. But listen, when we're talking to someone who's not going through something very well, or they're going through some trauma and let's say we're not, it's really hard to yeah. Oh man. Do I ask them how they're doing? Cause I know they're not doing well. Like I, when I was talking to my sister, I know she's dying. I pick up the phone. I go, Hey June, how's it going? And then I go, Oh my oh, God, what a stupid yeah. question. Of course you can't ask them how it's going. Right. And I beat myself up and I go, Oh, you're such a dummy, you know? And then she'd go, Oh, I'm fine. But anyway, and we talked, but I, you know, I, I could have stopped myself from asking her how she's doing because I was so self-conscious about asking her how she's doing. Right. And so um, there's, that's just one example. There's a, there's a million reasons why we won't, we don't say the wrong thing. We don't make people feel guilty. I mean, there's a ton of, 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 of uh, limiters to forming those deeper connections. And, and I think that's what we want to do is form the deeper connections. So when somebody's dealing with something with humor or with avoidance or with sadness or with whatever, that we're okay meeting them at that level and connecting with them on whatever level that we can that that allows us to get deeper and 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 you know really understand each other's experience because i think at the end that's what we're all looking for is connection with the people around us yes yes and i know our survivors love that connection with other survivors with them coming oh, yeah. here to the centers i mean it's a very common thread and a common bond that they know best mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the one of the book participants said, "If you put me in a room of people like me, 
we'll talk forever. You put me in a room of people who don't know what I'm going through, but love me to death. We don't say a word. Yes. And it's because it's just hard. It's so hard, right? Yeah. It's so hard to talk. And so what I wanted to do was to bring diverse stories, you know, everything from the fear of cancer to had five different cancers over a 35 year period in their adult life, young, old survivor, loved one, caregiver, patient, doctor, you name it. Yes. And then also a wide range of emotional responses to the traumas that they experienced in their lives so that I could go, oh, okay, if we take a 360 view at this and we, we tell these stories that are inspiring and moving that somebody might then be able to apply what happened in these other people's lives to their own situation today or in the future so that they can go, oh, okay, when they say they're okay and they don't need anything, maybe that's an opening for me to ask a couple of more questions. That's right. Do you know, right. or whatever. Yeah. So let's, you're talking about the book. What is the mm -hmm. name of the book? So the book is called Cycle of Lives. Mm -hmm. A subtitle is, uh, is 15 people's um, stories, 5,000 miles, and a journey through the emotional chaos of cancer. So, um, you know, the book is, is uh, that's just kind of a play on words, right? Cycle of lives. We all go through a, a cycle in our lives. The, the cycle of lives. I also did a bike ride, right? The 5,000 miles. Um, and th there's a real famous uh, uh, art depiction of an um, uh, ed educational, um, you know, thought process around a wheel of emotions, a Plachik's wheel of emotions. So I kind of put all those together to come up with cycle of lives. Yeah. You and why did you decide 15 participants? Uh, well, that number ended up not being on purpose so much as so um, when I was interviewing people, like I, I mentioned just before, I, I wanted a, a good perspective. So imagine a, a wheel on a bike, right? And all those different spokes creating different sectors, you know, young, old, survivor, loved one, happy, sad, fearful, blah, blah, right? All that. So I needed enough stories to fill in a 360 view. Okay. Uh, so I talked to way more than 15, but sometimes I couldn't go where I needed to go with them to uncover the essence of their story. Sometimes they weren't able to go there because things were too rough or too raw, or they were too detached from the emotional side of it themselves. And so they weren't able to go there. And although the stories might've been interesting and inspiring, I couldn't get to the depth of it enough to really move people. So it ended up being 15 only because those were the 15 stories that I thought were the most inspiring, the most impactful, um, and could give us the most 360 view of kind of this emotional, uh, you know, the, 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 the emotions involved that we all, all humans have basic emotions. So it touched on all of those emotions. Yeah. Pam, one of the things I found very interesting in David uh, of your book was, um, although you're telling the stories of 15 people, there's really two stories in this whole book, right? There's the stories of the people, and then there's the story of the bike ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I liked how you brought that in because it, it, it was about like, oh, some of the trials and oh, some of the tribulations and oh, some of the, the characteristics of the, of the um, journey that you took. Um, and I'm, I'm curious because the way you went, you, you, you talked to in, in the book, partly you kind of had, could have had a Northern route, you could have had a Southern route and you went kind of south, Southerly. So you went from California uh, to Florida yep. and then up to New York. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's a shorter distance there. You could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, right. I wasn't trying to bike across the country. I was actually trying to bike to meet as many of the participants that I could in person because I had been talking to them on the phone for a couple of years, right? So most of them I had, I, 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 most of them I hadn't met and most of them I had been talking to for a very long time to really get super deep into their stories and kind of, you know, let things marinate and have them come back with different perspectives. And you can thank my, I can thank my editor for this because I originally wrote the book with me kind of interview style with the, with the, with the, with the book participants. And she sent it back and she goes, okay, well, first of all, she goes, uh, you're not part of their lives. So take, take yourself out, right? It's not about you. It's about them. And I went, oh, yeah, that's pretty insightful. And she said, second of all, I think 
the bike ride and people hearing about how you process your emotions over cancer uh, with your sister's cancer might be interesting to the reader. And I said to her the same exact thing that was said to me. I go, ah, that's not that interesting. People are interested in that, right? And she goes, no, I think they're really interested. (laughs) Well, I can totally relate to a couple of the things that you talked about. Um, I've done several 24 hour, mainly road, road events. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you mentioned in your book about a lot of quiet time where you process and a lot of thoughts and a lot of what ifs and a lot of just weird, you know, thoughts into your mind. And then also kind of the hallucination, if you will, in the middle of the night, you know, you're like, what is that over there? Or where did, where did that come from? I didn't see that last time I came through here, even though maybe you've gone by it 12 times. Um, you know, the, you start to do some of that. So I, you can tell you, your editor, she was right. I think your part of your story was very interesting as well. Oh, thanks. It was, it, you know, um, look, I could talk about this all day long because anybody that does endurance athletics knows that it's not just about the fitness part of it. it is very contemplative, um, emotionally, uh, mentally, psychologically transformative, if you allow it to be, because when you're on your bike or running in the desert or whatever you might do, that's an endurance event, you know, certainly like yoga and meditation is, is fulfilling, but, but long distance, long time has a way of just really clearing the mind and allowing you to contemplate things at a much deeper level. And that's a draw of endurance athletics for me, why I continue to do it. But you, you'll get this because um, because you, you know this is your world. But I did forty seven hundred miles in forty five days, so I only took four days off. So I did forty seven hundred miles in forty one days. That's about one hundred and twenty miles a day. Right. Most of that was self supported. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I had I had a support vehicle, but but uh, I had fifteen days or so was self supported. It was solo. And honestly, I mean, listen, there's only one truth in the entire universe. And that is whichever way you're biking on a long distance ride, the wind is in your face. It always is. (laughs) There's no other, there's no other truth in the universe, but that, but that is the ultimate truth of the universe. And so I would have, uh, I think my shortest day was like eight hours. My average was 11 hours. My longest day was 17 hours. So I was doing that day after day, after day, after day, which gets you raw physically and emotionally, but also is allowed me to really contemplate the issues in my life, you know, the, the, the grieving I hadn't done over losing my sister and really allowed me to really let the stories marinate um, of the book participants in my head at a different level because um, it really allowed me to play these conversations over and over and over in my mind. And I tried to learn more about Um, these people's experiences by replaying these conversations in my mind. And it really, it really added a a wonderful flavor to, to, I think the stories. And I think uh, our survivors can relate because they are on that journey of treatment to wellness. And just like you were there for the finish line, you know, they're waiting for that finish line as well. There's some amazing stories in there, but one of my favorites was Dominique. And for some reason, his story just. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Heart wrenching is all I can say. So what are the things that. You know, um, quite a few of my friends met, met him and, and um, um, every once in a while they talk about him and it's really puts a smile on my face because what a, what an amazing human being and what he went through emotionally and psychologically, I could so relate to it. Uh, not, I had no idea like what he had gone through, but just the, the, the mental gymnastics that went on in his life, um, I could relate to only because it, it's such a just a stark story how could you not like be drawn into his life story right and and very moving very moving not yeah, but, to say the other ones weren't yeah. just moving mm-hmm. but for some reason his story just stuck with me that's exactly what i was going to say pam i you know when i just remember when i when i finished the book um, that was the first question, Pam, because Pam was, she's, uh, um, she's a little more accelerated than I am. She finished your book before I did. Accelerated. <laughs> and so she says, well, what would, of, of, of all the participants that were in there, the 15, you know, which one did you find that you could, you, you know, do you, you found most interesting? And, what, and I'm like, 
I don't, that's like saying which of your children of your 15 children is your favorite. I mean, it was like, I don't know. They all had varying things. One of the things I like just so our listeners can understand is, is you really interweave and, and pull out, as you've said several times here, the emotions. And you, I really appreciate it because it kind of set the tone for me in, in going through the book when you talked about kind of setting up the person. You know, here's this person and here's here's who they are. Here's what they had. Here's their first uh, uh, bout with can or first touch with cancer or they had this mm-hmm. and, did that, and, did that. and then you said their positive emotion while going through through their story is this and their negative most commonly negative emotion is that. And it's interesting because none of them really are the same, although they are the same. And, you know, it's kind of, it's very similar. It's, 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 there's not two that said really that, you know, oh, well, that was the same person that had the same one as this. I mean, but, it, but you can see all that interwoven through their story. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. I mean, listen, um, I, I, uh, I don't want to sound callous, but I'm not really interested in, in somebody's story about their cancer journey because I don't, I don't real, I'll never understand it. I'll, I'll never get it right? Their story is so unique to them and what they're going through and the thoughts that are so private and, you know, just what it feels like to go through the trauma that they're going through. I I might be moved by it, but I don't know that I can identify with it because that, that stuff is so uniquely as seen through their perspective, but then tell me that that same person had, give me, give me some explanation about some childhood trauma that they had or some, um, some issues that happen in with abandonment as a young adult or something like that. And give me like this perspective that says, I I can, I, I can identify with a human on that level and then apply that to gosh, this crazy, like cloudy. I don't really understand. How could I understand what they're going through, but apply that the trauma and the emotional responses to traumas that I could kind of wrap my brain around then I could go, oh, okay. So like in, in Dominic's case, this was a gentleman who was twice in his life, uh, spanning 10 years, was told to get his things in order because he's going to die, right? And and he had a, uh, overcame it the first time and and um, against all odds and then and went along uh, living his life not in the best way possible, <laughs> ended up even in jail, um, uh, addicted to, to, to um, you know, Oxycontin and, and just he just was not living a good life. And he expected that he was supposed to be dead. Why would he worry about living, right? He was worrying about being dead. And then he gets, uh, the cancer comes back 10 years later and his doctor said, last time we were kidding, like this time you really are going to die, right? But he didn't. And then he's got to live with this idea that his whole life he's been thinking to himself, why am I here? Like, what's the purpose? I'm supposed to be dead, right? And I can't understand what what in the world a guy like that would feel like, but could I understand the concept of you know what? He just needed permission to know that he should be out there worrying about living, not worry about dying. He needed to give himself that permission that I could, I could wrap my brain around. Cause who hasn't needed to forgive themselves or reinvent themselves or just take their first step, whether it was later in life or not about living a meaningful, purposeful, self-aware, self-serving life, which is a great thing. And it just took him so long to do that. I could understand that part of it. And so when I, you know, that's why, that's why I wrote the stories, you know, the way I did. And I think that's why they resonate too. Oh, I I would totally second that because you're right. I'm not a cancer survivor. Pam's not a cancer survivor. Um, to, and, and we hear stories all the time. And, and maybe that's a, a, maybe Pam, that's something on us to think of in the future of saying, well, tell me, tell us about your story um, is to take it a little bit deeper rather than just the story type thing. And, and the one thing you said too, on, on the very last uh person that you profiled I, I this is what i what hit me like a ton of bricks was you said you can't you know being can't understand someone's pain cancer is an enigma and we can do all we can and i know pam we've talked about this when people come in and they go but i ate right and i i didn't drink sodas or i i only did this and i exercised but there's no rhyme reason or sense to cancer but yet fear of cancer is universal 
And I mean, there, there is no rhyme or reason. None of us can put our, our real finger on that, even, even with genetics, right? I mean, there's genetics plays a role, but even then mm-hmm. uh, you just can't put your finger on it. No. Yeah. And it's, it, it really is just, you know, um, you know, as, as we know from the other book, right. The emperor of all maladies. I mean, it really is this thing. And, and I, and I, I say it's like being hit in the face with a shovel, right? You just, you just don't know because who doesn't know somebody that's super healthy and then ends up getting, you know, some, some cancer uh, uh, that takes them and somebody that's not healthy and lives fine. And you know what? I, I don't, I'm not here to help solve the issue of who gets or who doesn't get or why it's fair or not fair or try to preach about like wrap your brains around that concept. But what I do know is that it is a little bit hazy. It's a little voodoo-y. We don't know that, what that's me so scary, right? Like if you know you're going to get punched in the stomach as you're walking down the street, you can kind of brace for it. But if you're walking down the street and then all of a sudden somebody comes along and wails you in the stomach without you even knowing it, it's going to hurt a hell of a lot. And that's kind of the way I view cancer, right? Is that you can't tense up and be ready for it ever. Yeah. Even if you've had it and you think it might come back, you're never, it's, it's a gut to the punch when you know a punch to the gut when you're not expecting it it's just you can't prepare for it that's what makes it so difficult i think and even as a caregiver even as a professional like like, like you can't um even as a doctor right it, it the emotion the emotional side of it i asked an oncologist you ready for this i asked an oncologist like why did you get into medicine and they gave me that kind of like oh you know i wanted to help people and i want to do this i want to do that and i go okay why'd you go into oncology Mm-hmm. and 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 she kind of looked her head one way or the other and she said can i tell you the truth i go yeah she goes well most oncologists are in oncology at least as far as i know because we think it'll give us good karma and we won't get cancer i'm like get the heck out of here yeah. right i mean an oncologist telling me i think i became an oncologist because i thought it would give me karma and i wouldn't get cancer because we don't know that's yeah. what makes it so maddening so let's deal with what we do know and that is that if you're touched by it from whatever perspective, that perhaps we can make it a little less isolating. We can maybe not abandon. Who doesn't know? I mean, I know somebody right now. I'm I'm not judging, but but Ryan and Pam, I bet you both do, where they, they need a call or you said you were going to call, but you haven't had time or life's gotten away, or maybe something got worse for them and you're afraid. I'm not, I'm not sure if I should call because this is it the right time. I'm going to say the wrong we all know that that there's people in our lives like that, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not pre- I'm not preaching that you should call them, but I know we all know that person, and 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 so you know I just think maybe if we can bridge those those distances a little bit better, we we might enhance our experience and theirs. Yeah. So how did you find it easy to have them open up? I mean, <laughs> the hardest thing to talk to survivors because they don't feel like their story is important. But here as caregivers or loved ones, how can we help them tell their story? No, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and um, wow. So I'll give you two answers. Okay. One answer is when we're, when we're talking to somebody else and the way that I was able to get really, really deep with the people that ended up making in into the book was because they believed me when I meant. And I said, they said, they knew I meant when I said, I want to get to the essence of who you are. I want to tell your story in a way that will inspire and move people, maybe even help them, right? If I can do that. And so they bought into what our goal was. That was number one. Number two is I needed to give them a safe space. Mm -hmm. So I'm not here to fix you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to, I'm just here to hear you. I just want to learn, right? I just want to learn. Right. And the, and the third thing was that I, I really tried to, I didn't, I didn't do this the first pass on the book, but I did it every pass after that is I really took my perspective out of it and told the stories, tried to tell the stories from their perspective, which was really hard because when I sent somebody a story about when they were a little girl and their dad died, and this is the way they felt about it. And I knew that from our talks, but I'm writing it from their voice was really scary to send that to him to say, did I capture this? And, you know, with only a very few minor changes, I I really captured it well. So I think people felt like, Hey, I understand what we're trying to do. 
You're giving me a safe space to talk. You're not judging me or fixing me or whatever. You just want to get to the essence of me and my story. And then to have them see that, wow, that is the essence of their story. At least this, this, you know, certain um, um, sector of it, um, uh, you know, that that's what made it work. The other thing, super quick guys. The other thing was that I, I kind of live by this, um, it's like three-pronged approach to these type of things, which is one, taking an honest look in the mirror. And that's what we did together. Mm-hmm. We took an honest look in the mirror. It's really hard to do, right? A lot, a lot of times, especially if we're going through something difficult, we just like, okay, I'm going to get through it. We don't, we don't mm-hmm. sit back and go, well, here's how I feel about it, right? We just, just deal with it, right? Just triage. So one is step back and take a look in the mirror. Two is to forgive yourself. Like you didn't cause this. You're not the pain point for your loved ones. It just is what it is. Like you've got to forgive yourself, right? And so a lot of forgiveness and a lot of understanding that we're just not equipped to know how to deal with it. So stop judging ourselves. So look in the mirror, stop judging ourselves. And then let's see what we can learn. So that that combine those two kind of major thought processes. And that's how I was able to do it. Are you still in contact with any of them today? I am. Yeah. As a matter of fact, a couple of them are really good friends. And one of them just sent me a super, super nice note yesterday. And, and, um, you know, said, you know, uh, you know, the journey we went on has really been helpful for him and, and yeah, I'm not in touch with all of them because sometimes people move on and they, they're, they're living their own lives. No big deal. Um, but I am in touch with quite a few and very, very grateful for that too, because just wonderful people. And I, I, I learned so much and was given such a gift to, uh, to get such a deep insight into these people's private lives that um, I really, I really consider that a, a sacred gift. Oh, sure. So what were your two takeaways from the whole project? <laughs> My biggest two, huh? Ah, well, I say one is kind of what you guys talked about earlier, which is this whole idea of people are just living their lives, right? Um, But why I think I got a really, really deep understanding of the fact that there's way more behind what I think there is. You know, it's real easy to judge somebody and kind of assume what they're going through, assume they should be angry at something, maybe they're not, assume that they might be happy about something, maybe they're not, right? I think really one of the things I learned, Pam, was that um, that you really don't know what people have gone through or what they are going through. And so I've really tried when I can to st- uh, not come to interactions with people I care about um, uh, or people that I meet along the way with a preconception of how I think they might feel about something because I'm, I'm usually wrong. Um, um, that's one. I guess the second thing that I learned and it's a sad truth of, of, of this project, but it's also one of the joys of this project was that sense that it is isolating and whether, um, whether people self-isolate or whether they're abandoned um, or whatever combination of those things, um, it really is the truth because I think we can wrap our brains around a lot of ty- types of trauma but I think cancer, especially in relation to the other traumas we had in our life, is a really, really lonely place for a lot of people, and um, and and I and I think that um, that I really had a profound understanding that that is even for caregivers, loved ones, professionals, even doctors, chief medical officer. I, I interviewed James uh, James Cruz. Um, very it can be very isolating, and and to try to give some insight like I said earlier, just to build some bridges to maybe end some of that isolation um, was, was something that really drove me. So I think those were the two biggest things. Right. It really kind of reminded me, Pam, of like, everybody knows, you know, people who have, um, you know, like if I'm, if I'm sick and I get over it, you kind of know you've been there, you got it, you know, oh yeah, I, I know the flu can be rough or this you know, can be rough or COVID or whatever the case may be. But cancer is so individualistic that you just can't unless you've been there. And that was one of the things that, that I took away was um, 
some of the isolation, like you said, with, with some of the, some of your folks is because no one could understand and no one took the time to ask to try to understand, it seemed like. And even if they did, maybe they didn't want to open up and share. So there's all of those interwoven pieces that bring it to where it's like, oh, now I see. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I tell you a super quick story? Sorry to interrupt. Sure. You, no. say something, but let me tell you a super quick story. I was talking to a guy I was doing a podcast actually uh, for this guy. And he told me this story uh, later in the conversation. We, we built up to a point where he told me this story. Uh, he goes, I have a really bad feeling in my stomach and I regret something with one of my friends. And I went, Oh my gosh, what's that? And he said, you know, I had a really good friend um, who went through cancer and unfortunately um, he passed away from it. But we were pretty close and we were even close, you know, kind of near the end and I'd go see him or, you know, when he was feeling up to it, he would come see me and he goes, man, the guy just like would not talk to me. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, we talked about football and we talked about this and we talked about that, but, you know, I just didn't know how to bridge like this, like, how are you feeling thing? And he didn't bridge it with me. He goes, and I just really regret it. And I go, all right, but isn't it possible maybe that every other person in his life was asking him how he felt about it or was making him talk. And you were the one person that he didn't have to talk to. You were the one person he could just be right. I go, now I'm not saying it was that maybe you could have talked to him. Maybe you should have, I'm not making a judgment, but I'm just saying like by asking a few more questions, like, Hey, if you don't want to talk, is it because you don't want to talk or is it because you're afraid if you're talking, you're going to bring me down or yeah. I'm going to bring you down. Or like, what's the reason why we're not talking? Cause I'm cool with it, but if yeah. you want to talk, I'm cool with it too. Right. So it just gave him another thought. I uh, hopefully a comforting thought that maybe that was the one safe place. His friend didn't have to talk. It would have been nice to know. Sure. Right. But we just don't know. So don't feel bad about it. Cause you could equally feel as good about it. Well, that's, and that's entirely true. That's kind of where I was talking, you know, heading with the isolation and some who did and some who didn't and didn't talk. And like you said, um, not being afraid to talk to people about cancer and don't being, not being afraid to talk to others. And maybe that's the kind of thing where it's like, you don't know if they want to talk about it until you ask them, Hey, like, like you just said, you just want to be real. Let's just, let's just be ourselves. Or is there something we want to, you know, need to talk about with through your cancer or through your emotions, but to, to find the answer to that, um, but allow them uh, as a cancer survivor to make that decision. Right. Ron, it reminds me of the podcast that we did with Tanner, you know, finding your community, you know, you might have this group of people that you only talk about fun things and this yeah. group of people that you're going to tell them all the cancer problems. But, you know, I hope for our listeners, um, they can find our place, a place where they can find the right community. That's right. Um, oh, they don't want to talk about cancer. They don't have to. Yeah. yeah. We, we say all the time, we don't dwell on the fact that you've had cancer. Um, but we're here to listen. Um, you know, Pam, I know we've talked about several times. Uh, sometimes the best thing to say is, I really don't know what to say, but I can sure listen and uh, uh, not dwelling on that. But if there is an area that does need to be talked through and worked through, we're here to listen. But we also have licensed professional counselors. And, you know, we've done the whole podcast. If you have questions about what counseling is and what it isn't, Go back and listen to what our podcast that came out last year, talking about the stigma of of counseling. Um, we, you know, there we want to bash that and say that is not what it is. It's you know, it's processing through emotions. It's processing through trauma. It's processing through situations. You know, how many of of the uh, stories, did, David, that you told? Um, cancer wasn't the only thing, and oh. it was <laughs> most of the times that was not. The yeah, thing. there was Ooh. a lot of things to unpack. Um, an entire life of unpacking to get to the cancer, right? Oh man, that was the, that was, and, and I went into it hoping that that was the case, right? Because what I wanted to understand was how did our young adult, how did our childhood traumas affect our ability or more likely our inability to form deeper connections mm -hmm. based upon the, the, the emotional responses to the trauma of cancer? Because I mean, listen, if you lived a charmed life, and you get cancer, you're going to have a different emotional response than if you had a really, really rough life. And then you got cancer. Now, everyone's is unique and everyone's is as important as everybody else's. But the emotional responses that you're going to have, you know, are, look, if you've been abandoned at different times in your life, and you go 
uh, through something where you need to ask people for help, you're going to be less likely to ask them for help because you've been abandoned. If you have a safe place to go to, then if you go through trauma and need help, you're going to go to that safe place, right? That's just, that's, the, that's just logical. And what I think what I wanted to do with the book was to say, hey, I might not be able to identify with what you need or what you're going through during the trauma of cancer, but I can identify with these other traumas because who, who can't? Right. right. We've all had them we, that we they're, they're certainly more understandable. I, I not maybe sometimes no less tragic, but certainly understandable. I can understand certain things better. I can understand losing a, a parent at an earlier age. Right. Um, then then watching them die in old age. I can wrap my brain around. I might not be able to wrap my brain about around what it might be to get stage four metastatic cancer, but I can wrap my brain around losing somebody earlier, watching somebody go through the death of a child. I can, I can wrap my brain around it, maybe not understand their pain, but at least I can identify with it. And I can go, oh, I can apply like, like okay, it gives, it gives me a tiny little roadmap on where I might possibly go in order to ask questions to make this, this point in their life a little less isolated. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, and Pam, I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like this is a safe place. I feel like this is a judgment free area. Um, we are all about walking that journey alongside you and providing resources to meet those needs. Yeah. You don't have to bike uh, 5,000 uh -huh. miles or 24 hours um, in the canyon. Um, you don't even have to bike at all, right? That's right. You do not. You do not. I tell you, I here. Let's do this, David. Let's share with our listeners how can they find your book. Where can they find your book? Because I really think there's a lot, you know. And 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 you hit it on the head. Um, you know, I, I'm sure some of our cancer survivors listening are going, "Oh, not another cancer book. Oh, not another, you know, book that I don't. I, I've I've had it. I don't need to do that." But there may be, and I guarantee you, there there is some some help in here. Um, so, how can our listeners find your book? Well, thanks, and that's one of the problems, Ryan and Pam, that I that I do with marketing the book is I just don't stress enough that it's not a book about cancer. What mm -hmm. it is, it's a book about people and their emotions and the difficulties that they went through as children or as young adults bad decisions they make, bad cards that they were dealt long before cancer ever became an issue in their life as a patient, caregiver, loved one, whatever. And those are the, those are the stories that, that move me and, and give me a better understanding of the human condition. The fact that it also kind of catches people at a time in which they've either been an oncologist for 40 years or they've been a survivor or they lost somebody or whatever, it's like that's the secondary part to it. So I appreciate that. But uh, the book is Cycle of Lives. It can be found wherever books are sold. Uh, it's on Audible, which is an amazing uh, Audible. 15 voice over actors each played one of the one of the parts. And it's amazing. Um, so Audible, it's an ebook in whatever format any anybody's reader takes. Um, the books, you know, at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, most books are sold on Amazon. I'll send signed copies if you go to the website, cycleoflives.org. And the important thing to remember is great organizations that are cancer focused and mostly cancer focused were chosen by the book participants to receive the proceeds. So um, this is a passion project for me and will continue to be. And uh, so all the proceeds that, that would come to me go out to these organizations. What a way to honor your sister. Thanks. Uh, that's fantastic. Really is. Pam, I, I tell you, I, um, I can't recommend this enough. I hope some of our listeners, many of our, all of our listeners will pick this copy up. Um, I listened to it on, to it on Audible. I, I think you did as well, Pam. Yes. Um, and it was really cool to have the different, the different voices and the different versions. So I, I, I second the Audible version. <laughs> yes. You know, and I love to hear the different stories and uh, what wonder 15 wonderful stories that you have put together. But David, that leads us to our um, last segment. It is Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's Car Smart Kia. Do you have a powerful moment that you could share with us? Gosh, I have a ton of them. And what a <laughs> wonderful thing that you do with this. And, and, and I'm going to keep it relating to the book. And um, for those two of you and the three, me, the three of us who, if you remember Patricia. So when I was talking to Patricia, so he, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me give the powerful, moment. powerful moment is this. 
I don't like trite sayings. In fact, I kind of get aggravated when somebody gives me a trite saying like, oh, you know, keep your chin up or, oh, you know, it's all going to work out okay. Or, you know what, just keep breathing. I'm just like, oh my God, can you shut up? Like that doesn't mean anything to me, right? And so I asked Patricia early on in her life, in our in our talks, I go, hey, Patricia, like what, what, what motivates you? What keeps you going? And she goes, well, David, I just figure out a way to put my feet on the ground every day and go about my day. And I rolled my eyes internally, not at her, of course. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, another one of these trite sayings. And I'm talking to her and I realize what the heck with her story. She's had five different cancers over a 35 year period. She's been at her oncologist practice longer than he has. She knows everything about her cancers. She's journaled everything. She's increased her care. She took care of her father and watched him uh, die through uh, uh, his cancer came back while she was in chemo. She's driving up to take care of her father, right? And meanwhile, her whole story is kind of overshadowed by this fact that uh, she's found this wonderful man that's been by her side this whole time and, and how much she hates putting him through it and this love affair and blah, 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 blah. But early in her life, she was in an exceptionally abusive relationship, one where she thought she was going to die because he put her in the hospital. He beat her up all the time. It was this horrible, horrible thing. So here's this woman who got out of an abusive relationship. She finds a lover of her life and shortly after encounters the first of the next 35 years worth of a life focused around cancer. Now, that's not the only thing about her life. And near the end of our talk, she goes, you know, she goes, so I guess my, 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 my theory on life is just, you know, every day that I could, I just got up out of bed. I put my feet on the ground and went about my day. Now, sometimes I fell right back in bed because I didn't have the energy to do anything more. She goes, but ah, I guess that's what I do. And I remember going, man, that's like the most powerful thing I've ever heard. Just put your feet on the ground and get moving. But I, I thought to myself, if I didn't know what was behind that, I, I wouldn't understand it. That's the whole beauty of this thing is that maybe what somebody's trite saying is really that, but maybe there's so much behind it that if we could just take a moment to learn what gives them the ability to say, take this advice, put your feet on the ground, yeah. go about your day, even if you have to fall back in bed again. And, I, and so that's my powerful moment is there's so much more behind what people are saying most times that if you give yourself a chance to learn it, you're going to really be um, inspired. What a powerful moment that was. Absolutely. She was also the one that said she doesn't get colds, but she gets cancer, right? <laughs> yeah, she's that's she wanted to name her story. And I go, what do you want to name it? And she said, I'm going to name it my, my, my life story. And I go, what's that? She goes, I don't get colds, I get cancer. She goes, I've never been sick a day in my life. I'm like, what? She goes, well, beside the cancer. Yeah. Uh, what that an amazing woman. Yeah, when, when, uh, right before you said that, Pam, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that's the lady. <laughs> yeah. And five times. And uh, uh, you're right. I mean, she's she's been there longer than her oncologist, which is um, quite amazing. Quite amazing. David, thank you so much for taking time today to join us on our podcast and really enlighten us a little bit and, 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 and entice us, if you will, to peel those layers back and get to the root and, and, and the person. Uh, and not just uh, the illness and, and things and, and not to be afraid and, and really do the things we need to do. And, and it's about, it's, it's the human aspect. Um, we mm -hmm. talk here often at the survivorship center that, you know, we focus on all aspects and uh, many times um, I think we need to say, you know what, we just, we focus on the focus on the human aspect. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the key part. And aside from the wellness and the, the uh, emotions and things like that, it, it's, it's just the human aspect. And so uh, thank you for what you did. Thank you for this, uh, a really cool story, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, we do have, we don't do 5,000 miles, but we have this little thing in June uh, for 24 hours. If you're ever interested in bringing a crew from Vegas, uh, we would love to have you out to the beautiful Paladuro Canyon. It's, you know, uh, for, for our listeners really quick, um, there's so many cool things, especially if you have any understanding about bikes um, the bridge story was really, I love the bridge story it was awesome and crazy and fun. And I can totally relate to that. 
um, being splashed by cars. I can totally relate to that as well. Um, but going across Texas for three days and you were still in, in the, the, the state of Texas, um, you know, where we are is, is very similar. It's flat. It's, it's, it's wide open in, in, in space there. And, uh, but it, it won't feel like three days crossing Texas. If you come to 24 hours in the Canyon. <laughs> might as well. I, hey, you might just see me at the beginning of June, man. I love it. I love yeah. that idea. I'm going to see if I can't make it happen. Awesome. I'm sure there'll be some wind there too. I mean, yeah. Hang it. Headwind always, always. <laughs> Even if you're going around in a circle, it's just the wind is in your face the whole time. How is that? Why is that? It's just amazing. Isn't you know, it? And, and I know you can relate to this, but my, some of my most frustrating times on a bike is where I'm going, you know, maybe 20 miles one direction and it's a headwind and I'm just cannot wait to turn around and have a tailwind <laughs> coming back. And you have, you uh, reach that point and you turn around and what do you have? Another a headwind. Thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the universal truth of the, it's the one universal truth there is. It is. It is. Well, Pam, let's leave our listeners with a little bit of homework for them. What do we want them to do? How about they get signed up to come and join us at 24 hours to support those riders who make things happen and possible by raising money. And we want all the survivors to come out and um, line the start line, cheer on those um, riders. So if you're interested, give us a call at 806 331-2400. And then also, I think everybody should check out David's book and um, learn to tell your story because your story matters. That's right. It sure does. You know, uh, if, if you have questions, you're curious about what goes on at 24 hours from a cancer survivor standpoint, because you're saying there is no way in the world I'm getting on a bike. There's no way in the world I'm doing that. Go back and listen to um, our, our uh, episodes that we did with some of our committee members Right, Pam, because we asked our, several of our committee members that helped the event happen, what is the most impactful thing they've seen at 24 hours or their most memorable? And I think almost every single one of them said the survivor send off. Um, and so having you guys at the beginning of the event, um, it means so much to the riders. It means so much to us uh, to see you there. And um, I, I know I always love going down the line, giving high fives after I've started the event and telling everybody to, you know, have a safe ride. Uh, we'll see you in 24 hours kind of thing. And then going down the line and giving high fives means so much to me as well. So yes, I can't second that enough. Get on uh, the phone, send an email, let us know you want to be at the Survivor Send-Off, and then make sure you join us again next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.